tuning in to our podcast, Salt and Light, where we'll cover foundational principles for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Enjoy this episode with ears to hear and hearts that listen. So let's go check the facts with your host, also known as my dad, Casey Harrison. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Salt and Light Assembly where we expose genetically altered Christianity and we replace it with a firm foundation for a relationship with Christ. Now, before we get into the message this week, I want to go over a few housekeeping things. Be sure to go to our website, www.saltandlightassembly.org. That's salt, A-N-D, lightassembly.org. On our website, we've got a spot where you can ask questions for our YouTube channel. So if you do have any questions about the Bible, even if it's questions about things that are going on in your life and you just really want to know what God has to say about it, we answer questions that pertain to your life through that channel on YouTube. We don't go into as much depth as we do through the podcast, but typically I'll be able to refer you back to another podcast or someone else that I listen to that is extremely smart in the Word of God as well. So be sure to go to our website, submit your question for our YouTube channel, as well as you can take that time to learn a little bit more about the ministry and what we do and who we support, like the Artisan Mission, and we also support Speed the Light. There's a lot of different ministries that we help to fund so that they can go out and be the hands and feet of the church. But now let's dive into the message for this week. We've been going through the book of Matthew, the origin story of Jesus. So far, we're almost done with the origin story. This week, we're going to be looking at Matthew 1.15. So let's read that scripture real quick. Eliud fathered Eleazar. Eleazar fathered Madden. Madden fathered Jacob. Now, for some of y'all that are just now tuning in, you're probably wondering, what in the world, how in the world can God speak through the genealogy of Jesus? Which is actually pretty awesome. Because so far, God has told us so much about the character of Christ and confirmed it in the life of Christ but God told us hundreds of years before Jesus ever walked this earth. It's pretty genius. And the character we're going to focus in on that we see in this scripture here is the character of generosity. Jesus is generous. Now, what makes me say that? Well, after we observe the scripture, we can see that there's just five names that are mentioned here, right? So let's look into the meaning of their names. Last week we learned that Eliud means God his praise or God of majesty. And we also examined that word majesty and found out that majesty means genius. So God of genius is the meaning of Eliud. Well, the meaning of Eleazar is help of God. Interesting. The meaning of Madden or Madhan means gift. And the meaning of Jacob means hill catcher or supplanter. If you're like me, you've probably heard the word supplanter in the church, or maybe you've never heard it at all. So let me define what the word supplanter means. And I got this from vocabulary.com. A supplanter takes over or takes the place of someone else, usually on purpose. If usurping thrones is your thing, then maybe you have a future as a supplanter. A supplanter takes the place of someone or something that was there first. And that's really all we can observe in the scripture. But one thing we've been doing is putting the names together to see the message that God has for us. So what do we get when we put all of these definitions together? Eliud, Eleazar, 
Matin, Jacob, God of majesty or God of genius, help of God, gift, hill catcher or supplanter. To make it easy to understand, God of genius, through the help of God the Son, sent a gift that will catch the hill of this world that lives within you and will replace it with the character of Jesus. Now let's go into actually explaining that statement. As Christians, we cannot separate the person of Jesus from the principles of Jesus. When we asked Jesus to come into our lives, that was called salvation. Salvation is accepting all of Jesus, the person, the principles, and the power. And here's where I'm going to offend some people. And I know I'm going to offend some people because God offended me as I was studying for this message. Side note, getting offended isn't a bad thing. I know culture and cancel culture, you get offended, you want to cancel it. No. It's not bad to get offended. If you get offended, you actually gain an opportunity. You see, offense is an invitation to examine your personal precepts, and precepts meaning a general rule that you go by, to regulate your behavior and to regulate your thoughts. So if you get offended, that's the opportunity for you to reflect and examine your thought process. And if your thought process lines up, with God's thought process. Most of the time it doesn't because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. With that being said, I'm going to offend some people. And I'll also say that the statements I'm about to make do not apply to everybody in these categories that I'm about to say. They really only apply to the ones that I've had experience with. First off, I'm going to talk to the Catholics. You cannot go out on a Saturday night clubbing, lusting, getting drunk, doing God knows what else. Go to Mass the next day. Confess to the priest, say your Hail Marys, and consider yourself cleansed of all your sin. That's not the way it works. The reason Jesus died was to satisfy the judgment of the Father for all of your sins, yes. But salvation isn't a magical prayer and a magical wish list. Salvation is submitting yourself into a relationship with Christ, not giving lip service of relationship. So stop separating the person of Jesus from the principles of Jesus. Now to the hyper-charismatics. You cannot go to church seeking an experience of the power of God without first seeking out the relationship with Christ first. Stop it. You're not only separating the person of Jesus from his principles in this situation, you're separating the power from the person and worshiping that power. That's dangerous ground. Our worship and our praise is supposed to be through relationship with Christ. And relationship transforms. And we're going to get into that in a minute. Now to the progressive Christians. This is a new term that I just learned about recently and is one of the most frustrating things for me. If you consider yourself to be a progressive Christian in most progressive Christian churches, you cannot claim the title of Christian, but walk around saying that the Bible cannot be trusted and that it's not the inspired Word of God. You can't go around saying that everyone goes to heaven because God is love. By making a statement like that and not understanding the author of love, 
You're talking out both sides of your mouth. You're making claims that you don't know anything about. You don't know what love is. You don't know what God's love is. You're defining love from your own personal experience and your own desires. You're not giving an example of the love that God is. Stop separating the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus. Love starts with getting to know the author of love. Salvation does not separate the person of Jesus from the principles of Jesus. If it did, then that would contradict what Jesus said when he said, learn of me. There's no reason to learn of him if you've separated out his principles from his person. Salvation is the opportunity to adapt the principles of Christ through relationship. What type of characteristics are we talking about? One of the characteristics we're going to learn about today, and that's generosity. Generosity is one of the founding characteristics of Christ. You see, in previous weeks, God has told us that we're not alone. And Jesus told us that we're not alone. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And it's through the gift that we're going to talk about this week that Jesus allows us to have that possibility. The gift mentioned here in Matthew 1.15 is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sending the Holy Spirit, that's how generous He is. He gave us His Spirit to walk with us after we got saved. He gave us His Spirit to guide us into all truth, not keeping anything from us as long as we're in relationship with Him. John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. Now this is Jesus talking. And I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. For He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That sounds pretty generous to me. The Spirit of Truth will tell you things to come. Nice. The Spirit of Truth will glorify Jesus. Awesome. The Spirit of Truth will take whatever belongs to Jesus and declare it over you. And I love how Jesus went on to clarify that. He said, by the way, all things belong to my Father. And the word used here for all things, the Greek word is pas, which literally means each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone, all things, everything. So taking what Jesus said, if you're in a relationship with him, you can have everything that Jesus has, which is all things. Yeah. He said it, not me. And I can imagine what's going through some people's heads right now. I don't know, Casey, that sounds like that prosperity doctrine to me. Okay. Let me ask you a question. What's wrong with prosperity? When prosperity is used in its proper context, which is the biblical context, not the Western world, United States type context, what's wrong with prosperity? It's in the character of Christ to be generous. If you're going to be generous, you need to be prosperous. So before you tune out, first let's look at what God means by prosperity so you can actually learn what it means to be generous. 
and you can adapt that character of Christ. And the Lord knows I've been waiting to cover this topic on prosperity because it's one of the most misunderstood topics in most of Christianity. First, we'll start with some facts. The word prosper is used 49 times in the King James Bible. Prosperous is only used eight times in the Bible. Prospered is used 13 times. Prospereth appears 17 times. Prosperously is used twice. What do all these different forms of prosper have in common? They have very similar definitions. So to define prosper would be to define it in the way God defines it, not the way we defined it. And the word prosper that's used in the Bible, the definition is to be successful, to succeed. The word prospered means having success or favored. Prosperity means advance or gain in anything good or desirable. Success. Prosperous means advancing in the pursuit of anything desirable. Prosperously means with gain or increase successfully. Prospereth means the state of being successful. Does that describe Jesus Christ to you? It does to me. I look at the life of Jesus that the Bible talks about, and it seems pretty successful. Did he heal the blind? Did he heal the lame? Did he turn water into wine? Did he actually go to the cross? Did he die for your sins? Did he rise again? And now sits on the right hand of the Father? That was his plan from the beginning. Seems like he succeeded. He was prosperous. But now that we understand the definitions of the word prosperity and all of the different terms that go with it, let's see how the Holy Spirit gives us prosperity, the way God defined prosperity. The first scripture we're going to examine on this topic is the one that we just looked at in John 16, 12 through 15. The Spirit of truth will take what is mine and declare it to you. Basically, the closer you get into relationship with Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit will tell you what you have access to. Because the Holy Spirit will be declaring it over you, which means to speak over you those different things. The Holy Spirit's going to speak it over you. He's not going to do it for you. He's going to tell you what you have access to. It's your job to walk into it. Scripture backs up that concept many, many times. Just a few examples. Salvation. Salvation's by grace through faith. And that's declared to all mankind. All we have to do is accept it. Look at King David. He was declared the king of Israel, but he still had to wait for the right time. Then he could accept what was his. In fact, the Holy Spirit declared that everyone gets a measure of faith. Romans 12.3, God has given every man a measure of faith. Yet we still have to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Look at 2 Timothy 4.7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In fact, we would be here all day if I gave you every example in the Bible about God declaring and then the actions that had to be taken for the manifestation of that declaration to happen here on earth. And I want to be clear, salvation, when I mentioned that earlier, has nothing to do with anything that you did. Nothing. Your only job is to accept what is done for you. 
to make a choice. There's no physical work required. Acceptance isn't physical work. It's just a choice to accept the gift that's been offered. Now, sanctification, that requires some physical work. This is where you can become prosperous in Christ because you have to put in a little bit of work to become sanctified. You have to put in work to accept what's declared over you by the Holy Spirit to take on the characteristics of Christ. The truth is I'm working on a prosperity series that should be coming out pretty soon after the genealogy of Jesus, and it's going to give a lot more detail of prosperity and giving and the different types of giving, the different forms of giving. Uh, But I don't have enough time to really go into all that right now, so I'm going to give you the quick condensed explanation of prosperity, okay? Prosperity to God is sanctification to us. Jesus made it clear, Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. How do you seek the kingdom of God? Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transforming the mind transforms your desires and your emotions. It transforms them to be the desires and the emotions of Jesus through your life. That's prosperity. Becoming Christ-like. When your desires are like the desires of Jesus Christ, that's when you're prosperous. John 3, 1 and 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. All of the quote-unquote things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would declare over you back in John 16, 12 through 15, Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, 33. But that type of prosperity is an overflow of the transformation through your relationship with Jesus. Because through your relationship with Him, your motivations change. Your desires change. Your motivations become the good work that Jesus called you to do. And when your motivations become similar to the motivations of Jesus Christ, that's when 2 Corinthians 9.8 is declared over your life by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's the goal of sanctification. The starting line of sanctification of your prosperity process and taking on the character of Christ is God will meet all your needs. If you believe in Jesus, then you can take that statement to the bank. He's going to meet all your needs. He didn't say anything about your wants. Not the beginning, because really, we don't know what we want. In fact, most of the time, we don't even know what we need, but God does. Our goal on this earth is to become more Christ-like so we can become more generous and clean up our motivations for every good work on this earth to get the Word of God out there. So God meets the needs that we need to transform our minds. And once our needs and our desires align with what He wants, then you can ask for the things that have been declared over you to complete those good works. Be sure to be on the lookout for the Prosperity Series. It is coming soon. And it's going to clarify a lot more 
of what prosperity is to Christ. As for this week, the process towards a God prosperity starts with the gift talked about in Matthew 1.15. The genius of God is that he told everyone who wanted to know that Jesus would give us this gift before Jesus ever walked the earth himself. Generosity. The generosity of Jesus is found in the origin story of Christ. So here's a question for you. How generous are you? Is your cup overflowing? Now get the thought of money out of your head. Traditionally, money has always pulled people away from God. And the Holy Spirit's the gift that's here to replace anything and anyone that's on the throne of your heart. If money's on the throne of your heart, it's going to get replaced. Remember, to gain the prosperity of Jesus, he's not going to start with your checkbook. He's going to start with your relationship. So are you overflowing in the characteristics of Jesus? Is your relationship that good? Characteristics meaning the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because if not, then I think it's time that we get offended. Once you're offended, you can reflect and examine why you're offended. Then, of course, there's the honesty factor. You have to be honest with Jesus when you pray. Pray that the gift, the Holy Spirit, that Matthew 1.15 is talking about, declares a stronger relationship over your life with Jesus. Then act on that declaration. And that's all the time we have for this week. But be sure to be looking for the Prosperity Series, okay? And if this message spoke to you and offended you in the way that it offended me, please leave a comment on whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on. If you're linked up with us on our Facebook page, like this post, leave a comment, share this post. More than any of that, if you need prayer in this area, as I need prayer as well, I'm willing to pray with you and for you. Just send me an email at prayer at saltandlightassembly.org. I'm going to leave it in the description below. When you email me, just put in the subject area of the email the title of this podcast, Generous Jesus. Give me your first name so I know who I'm praying for and a quick synopsis of what's going on. I don't need any details because Jesus knows and he just wants you to ask for it. And we're two or more together. That's where he is. And then I want you to take this week and become prosperous. Like be successful as the gift of God leads you into God's prosperity according to his definitions. Then come back and join us next week as we dive into the second to the last verse of the origin story of Jesus Christ. Until then, guys, be bold, be strong, and be blessed. Jesus! Jesus.